where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. God's word is a light unto our feet and a light on our path. So whatever path it is that you're walking today, we light this candle for you, recognizing that for some today holds many emotion, many emotions. This may be a day of celebration. This may be a day of grief and everything in between. And whatever prayer is on your heart this morning, I invite you in your imagination or in your physical presence, if you're at home, to light a candle, to light a, w- to light a way for those who are on a new path or on a path that is leading to a point of decision or a path of uncertainty, that God's light may be a blessing, may be a grace, may be a gift. And friends, as we continue to join together in that spirit, let us pray together. And we will say the words that are on your bulletin or on your screen with the pause to reflect after each phrase. Your word, O God, is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. Your presence, O God, is an encouraging touch and a supportive smile for each day. Your spirit, O God, is grace-filled courage for our words and strength for our work. May our lives and the life of this community give glory and honor to you. Amen. Just going to take a moment. I'm going to move back a little bit further today because I'm going to actually take off my mask for this time of reflection. And I want to put you at ease and let you know that I have been fully vaccinated, as have all of the worship staff. And our Sunday morning team is well on its way. kind of weird doing this. Haven't had to think about anything in my teeth for months. And now I'm going to get caught up on this. Of course, I'm also wondering about my hair right now. You haven't seen all of that yet either. Okay, but enough about me. Um, You know, most of the letters of the New Testament are addressed to communities. And today's letter is written to a person, a person named Timothy. And this is the second letter that was written to this person named Timothy. And he was a leader of the church. What we might think of today as a minister like Emilio or myself. And I'm convinced, though, that this letter is for all of us. 
These are words of encouragement reminding us to uphold a positive image for the rest of society. So listen for yourself. I often think of that genuine faith of yours, a faith that first appeared in your grandmother Lois, then Eunice, your mother, and is now, I am convinced, in you as well. Because you have this faith, I remind you to stir up that inner fire which God gave you. Rekindle the gift of God that is within you, gifts that are named and strengthened through prayer and ritual. Think baptism, confirmation, and for some, ordination. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a bold and loving and sensible spirit. Don't be embarrassed or afraid to speak up as witnesses to God's power that first saves us and then calls us to a life of holiness. A life of holiness. Each week in our home, we have a similar conversation. Happens around Wednesday. Where do you want to go hiking on Friday? Or some such version. And it's become so automatic that I don't even know, I don't even recall being in conversation. And then all of a sudden I heard, we're going to have to start carrying bear spray. The bears are waking up and they're hungry. And Yeah. And so I immediately said, well, how about a bike ride to Boulder instead? And maybe bike rides until all the snow has melted. And maybe bike rides until there's plenty of other food sources and other people that we can outrun. A life of holiness, right? I don't know when I learned this first commandment for wildlife, but this also came to mind. Keep your distance and never get between a mother and her babies. It's a fascinating mix of interest and intrigue, and it's frightening at the same time. Like, I want to see this. I want to see a bear, but I don't really want to see a bear, except on TV, maybe. And I have seen a bear from a distance, and I've seen people running from bears. This protective instincts that animals have is something to pay attention to. There's a protective instinct at work in humans as well. Moms and their babies, regardless of the age. I'm guessing you're seeing that, Robert, with a newborn. And it wasn't until I started hanging out in churches that I saw this at work. And when I first saw it, I was like, wow, that's fierce. And I actually took a step back when I was in the presence of that fierce mama love. And it's not always moms that just exhibit this, just sort of as an FYI. But it does seem to be instinctual. And I'm talking about fierce, not ferocious. 
So let's be clear. Fierce love is powerful. It's strong. It's brave. It's ready to roar, but it doesn't have to. You know it can, but it doesn't have to. So this probably is not what Paul had in mind when he was writing about a positive image for the rest of society, but I kind of like the image of church as a mama bear. Coming out of hibernation with a few little ones and an all-consuming hunger. Anyone else thinking about John the Baptist who was in the wilderness eating bugs and wild honey? Sounds like a mama bear to me. Now, historically, the church has been referred to as mother, so it's not completely new. In the third century, there was a bishop who said, no one can have God as father who does not have the church as mother. And I get it that parent metaphors can be tricky for some people. And all metaphors in general are limited. But let's take the binary out of it and just say that there is a partnership that is necessary and essential when it comes to God and the church. And it is through the church that the Spirit bears life to the world and within the world. At the time when Paul wrote this letter, church was on its way to becoming an institution. From the wilderness of a fast-growing movement to the domestication of an institution and the enforcement of a tamer version of the teachings of Jesus. The more mainstream the church became, the more it lost its edge for justice in some places. Not every place, but in some places. To be fair, the movement didn't really seem instinctual to everyone. Jesus himself had a hard time getting the disciples to understand his teachings and their purpose in ushering in a new way. They had a lot of missteps along the way, which is helpful. Because, like me, I'm sure you've had some missteps too. And this new way is fiercely protective of the little ones. And it demonstrates a fierce love and care for those who are systemically diminished and dominated those who are denied basic necessities and access. Does the image of a mama bear help you with this? Fierce love says, I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I'm changing the things I can no longer accept. Consider these women who all claimed to be Christians and who demonstrated their faith and courage in different ways. First, these women of African descent that have had an impact that continues to this day. Harriet Tubman. She was born enslaved. And she escaped and she became an abolitionist who used 
the Underground Railroad for a, for a total of, we think, 13 times. Not once or twice, half a dozen, 13 times. 70 people. Can you imagine that courage and commitment? If you haven't seen the movie, Harriet, I suggest it. It really does highlight her relationship with God, her very unique relationship with God and her ability to listen for the Spirit. How about Maya Angelou? Her impact in the civil rights movement. The poem, Still I Rise, comes to my mind often. Still I Rise. And an unlikely person in my mind on this list is someone whose, whose words and model, um, and someone who modeled a graciousness that I had not seen before in American politics, if you will, uh, Michelle Obama. Does anyone not remember the line, when they go low, we go high? I'm really grateful for that line, along with other things that her life demonstrated and continues to demonstrate. There are also some mama bears that are of European descent. Antoinette Brown Blackwell comes to mind, who worked for women's rights. She was the first woman to be ordained in a mainline congregation in the Congregational Church in the 1800s. Consider what she was up against when you consider that there are still places where women cannot be ministers, ordained ministers. Amelia Earhart, Amelia Earhart came to mind also. Less known as being a Christian than she was as an aviator, but um, she wrote a letter to her mother where she said, don't think for an instant that I would ever become an atheist or even a doubter, nor lose faith in the church's teachings as a whole. It's not the clergy nor the church itself, nor the people that are narrow, but the outside pressure that squeezes them into routine. Now that was very graceful, a very graceful way of saying that the routine squeezed out the Holy Spirit, which is always making things new and always calling to a life and a world filled with God's justice. Who else comes to mind for you? Those people who use power in a soft manner, not the loudest voice, but a voice that is persistent and steadfast, a voice that has purpose and passion, relentless dedication, someone who gives back, a person of their word, Now, this congregation knows fierce love. This congregation has had their share of mama bears and still does. Of people who continue to speak of God's power 
through gifts made in celebration of their lives. That's our newest chapter, one that's really, it's not a new chapter in the life of this church, but it's one that is really right before us right now. Because Pauline Hart and Isabel Rosticus, uh, in their name, gifts have been made to reaffirm the commitment that God is still speaking. The commitment that you are welcome here, which comes from the historic commitment of being open and affirming. And that's going to be on the very front, what we call the facade of our church. Those words, you are welcome here, will continue to speak for those women. Ruth Howe also comes to mind. She's the one who taught us um, about her God. And she said, music is the voice of God. And I know in some traditions, especially in the Jewish tradition, it's been written that some gates in heaven can only be opened with music. It's not always about words although some music has words. But music allows us to experience emotions in a different way. And so thanks to a gift in Ruth's honor and memory, we're going to have a songwriter's camp. So come with your love of music or poetry and leave with a new song. And consider the music of all of the civil rights movements in this country. Consider how music has been a lifeline in the gospel tradition. The faith and fierce love of these grandmothers and mothers is now imparted for the whole church in a way that will last. Fierce love is stirred up and rekindled at times Sometimes it's a news story. Sometimes it's something that happens in our own family. It's a turning point out of the routine that Amelia Earhart talked about. A breaking point, if you will. And I like that term breaking point because of the crack. You know, like when we break the bread, we break it open. And by now we all know that Leonard Cohen said cracks are where the light gets in, but What about this prison chaplain, Nancy Hastings, who said, cracks are also the way through which the light gets out. So sometimes it's that breaking point that allows that light, that flame of spirit to come out. It can no longer be contained. I'm remembering a woman who was a mama bear in Connecticut who said, I'm not praying for peace anymore. Now I'm praying for courage. In other words, I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I'm changing the things I cannot accept. As it turns out, there's a lot more that can be changed than you might think. And there's a long way to go towards a world where God's ways of justice come to fruition. There are still false teachers who employ ferocious tactics. 
fear tactics, terror tactics. But the stories of faith teach us that only the fierce love of God will endure. It's the fierce, nonviolent love of God that is more powerful than any other tactic. And our job is to be a church that loves fiercely. I think about the fierce love that brought the environmental justice ministry to fruition here at UCC Longmont. Now, throughout the years, there had been efforts to change lighting and to be aware, but this is now a much more organized and concerted effort. And it came into being through conversation of a few women, uh, Kristen, Christy, Julie, Erin, Ori, and not each of these women were previously connected to the church. All of these women, in conversation with Amelia, developed a ministry that is now a year old, and that includes many others. The garden is a great shining example of that. What might not be evident in the garden is that there's also conversations with town council about what it means to recycle and what it means to pick up trash and how that happens here in Longmont. A very small number of us have been in conversation about another matter that for some of us is at a breaking point. An acknowledgement that here in this country and here in Colorado and here in Boulder County, we have a violence problem. And not just a violence problem, we have a gun violence problem. And we want to do something about that. If you'd like to join in that, let me know. What else? What are the other things? See, because when I think we're, we're approaching Pentecost, and when I think of Pentecost with a cacophony of sounds, I think it's like the church with all these different areas of attention to help create a world that's full of justice and God's way of fierce love. So we don't all have to be in the same ministry area, if you will. But here in this space, it's all held. And maybe here in this space, there's something new opening up in you that says, we've got to do something about this. No more prayers for peace. Let's pray for courage. And through our courage, maybe there will be peace. We have a history of powerful, strong, brave decisions and stances. And today is a day to remember that God is not finished with this Mama Bear church. A church that's going to work to change the things it can no longer accept. 
a church that's ready to roar, but it doesn't have to.